Support for Kansas City Today comes from Cleveland University, Kansas City. From its roots as a chiropractic college to new degree programs in health sciences, CUKC is educating healthcare professionals focused on next-level health. Learn more at cleveland.edu slash impact. Support also comes from Grandma's Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Friday, February 4th. Coming up, the story of two Kansas City Starbucks workers and why they decided to help unionize their stores. But first, some headlines. The Kansas City Council voted yesterday to extend its mask mandate for K-12 school buildings. KCUR's Solisa Kolakal has more. The City Council voted 10-2 to to approve a two-week extension of the mask requirement for all students, staff, and visitors in Kansas City school buildings. The mandate will expire on February 17th, which is the same date that Johnson County will reconsider its mask mandate for elementary schools. In January, the Council first approved reinstating a school mask mandate, which was set to expire February 3rd. The extension comes as the Kansas City region is still experiencing high numbers of COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations. COVID-19 hospitalizations at Children's Mercy Hospital have fallen from their peak of 37. Infectious Disease Director Angela Myers says the potential approval of a vaccine for kids 5 and younger will be another step toward minimizing the pandemic for kids. Once this happens, all people six months of age and older will be eligible for a, a COVID vaccine. And that to me is really wonderful news. Pfizer is currently seeking FDA authorization for COVID vaccines for children between six months and five years old. Children under five are currently the only group ineligible for the vaccine. In response to a whistleblower complaint, the City of Independence has launched an investigation into the police department's misuse of overtime pay. City Manager Zach Walker says an officer was paid more than $160,000 of approved overtime to perform construction-related work in police headquarters. That was on top of the officer's $70,000 salary. We've kind of had to do band-aid repairs and fix it kind of things along the way. We always knew about that. What we did know was having a sworn officer being paid overtime to perform that work. Independence has hired a management consulting firm to investigate. Walker says he expects the process to be completed in 60 to 90 days. Democratic Kansas Governor Laura Kelly has vetoed the congressional redistricting plan sent to her by the Republican-controlled legislature. Jim McLean of the Kansas News Service reports the governor said lawmakers violated their own guidelines by approving a map that divides communities. Governor Kelly says Republican lawmakers who drew the map failed to justify dividing racially diverse Wyandotte County. It now sits in the Kansas City Area District, represented by Democratic Congresswoman Sharice Davids. Kelly says the change would shift large numbers of black and Hispanic voters out of the district into one that's more rural and Republican. Kelly says lawmakers also unnecessarily moved the city of Lawrence out of its eastern Kansas district into a sprawling, mostly rural district in western Kansas. Republicans responded to Kelly's veto by calling it a partisan move and signaled that a veto attempt is likely. 
Last year, workers at a Starbucks in Buffalo, New York, made history by forming the first union at any U.S. Starbucks location. That energized other Starbucks workers across the country to follow suit. Now there are unions at 54 Starbucks locations, and two stores in Kansas City could soon be next. On Up to Date, KCUR's Steve Kraske spoke to Josh Crowell of a Starbucks in the Plaza and Emma Baldridge of a Starbucks in Overland Park about their recent efforts to unionize. Here's part of their conversation. Well, the start of this trend, uh, Emma, was when a union was put together by a Starbucks in Buffalo. And now it's really expanding as many as 50 Starbucks unionizing across the country. That number is growing. What were your first reactions when you heard this news? Oh, well, for me personally, when I heard about um, the store in Buffalo unionizing, I had, I was still relatively new to Starbucks. So I thought it was interesting, but then as more of my coworkers started talking about it and the relevancy it could have at our Starbucks, it started feeling more like a hope that we could implement those changes in our Starbucks. And that's kind of how the ball got started. Josh, how about you? What was your reaction to the news out of Buffalo? I mean, I was super excited to hear partners getting that kind of a win, even though it was, you know, New York versus here in Kansas City. Um, but I definitely felt like crazy inspired to to realize that like if they could do it, we could do it. Hmm. Emma, you say the workers at your store uh, out in Overland Park had vaguely discussed unionizing prior to the news out of Buffalo. What were those conversations like? It was always a lot of hypotheticals, um, usually kind of what we would do differently if we had more of a voice, um, what we could achieve if we did that. But before Buffalo started, we never really thought we would get anywhere with it. We figured there was no real chance of it getting off the ground. So once we heard that there were Starbucks that were successfully getting the ball started rolling and successfully petitioning to become a union, we realized that hey, we can make this a reality. We can actually do this. So, Josh, what's it been like organizing your stores to unionize? What's what's the process been like? Really, it's come down to conversations with partners. For the most part, it's, it's a matter of people finding out because we've been really not secretive to the partners, but we've had to keep this under the radar from corporate. So as people find out, they're maybe all the way on the side of, I don't even know what a union is. We have a lot of young partners and uh, the labor movement is not something that's really educated in this country. Um, All the way to people who have been a part of union families for a long time hear this idea and they go, that's a great idea. Like, how do I sign up for this? Hmm. Um, But really it's been down to talking with people and getting them on board with the idea or even uh, helping them discover the idea exists in the first place. Josh, is it a tough sell? Absolutely not. Every single partner I've talked to uh, has has either been 100% full agreement really early on in that conversation or gives some of those pieces of information and then goes, this makes total sense. If it's for my fellow baristas, then let's make this happen. Emma, have you found it to be an easy sell too? Oh, absolutely. Um, in my store, um, once we started talking about it um, outside of work, the support for it was basically overwhelming. As soon as we even started discussing it, we were all instantly on board. Well, let's get into some of the things that you guys are most concerned about. And one thing workers have dealt with dealt with at the Plaza location has been harassment, Josh. Uh, tell, tell us about the concerns you have on that front. 
when it comes down to it, like partner safety is, should be one of our most base level requirements in order for us to show up at work. If we don't feel safe uh, when we're clocked in, then it's just not a good fit across the board. And that's something that really should change. And Josh, you're talking about physical safety and also customers coming into the store who maybe say inappropriate things. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, so inappropriate things, anything from hitting on coworkers, uh, you know, some of these some of these kids are minors. I mean, they're in high school wow. and for a full full grown adult to come in and, and just make really creepy comments, uh, you know, potentially following them out to their cars or trying to talk to them once they've gotten off the floor, trying to kind of, you know, uh I don't want to use the word corner, but but kinda kinda end up in a position where they can intimidate some of our partners and at the end of the day, for me, um, if a partner says, I feel unsafe, that for me is enough of a valid point to say we need to fix what's going on to make them no longer feel that way. Well, what would you like to see Starbucks do about it, Josh? When I, when I started approaching this uh, with my store manager, I told him, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm presenting you a problem that's on scale with saying, like, let's solve world hunger this week. It is a, it is a societal problem. It's a corporate problem and it's a you know a individual store problem um the two things that i've managed to come up with to be the most effective would be more for the partners we don't have a lot of really great training in place for uh dealing with people in like some sort of mental health crisis or you know uh people who are in in some sort of situation where you know starbucks should be able to provide them maybe a safe space you know we we allow complete open access to bathrooms. You can come sit and have free water all day long. I mean, it's cold outside right now. If you need a warm place to be, as as long as you're not interrupting that third place experience, you should definitely be able to come in. But training and then security. I mean, we used to have security down at the plaza, um, especially during these peak seasons. I mean, if we have a whole bunch of baristas behind the bar trying to make lattes as quick as they possibly can. We can't necessarily manage uh, as effectively what's going on in the cafe or, hmm. you know, shift supervisors may be seeing things from across the store and not even recognize what's happening. And then it's too late to deal with that. I think it's a cultural shift uh, across the board within the store that we really need to fix that problem specifically. So do you have any sure. sense of what the Overland Park store is up yeah. against, Josh? One situation that I'm aware of has to do with uh, their parking. I know they mentioned it in the letter. Um, I don't know the full specifics of the story, but I do know that they've started to uh, instruct partners to park an incredible distance away from the store, uh, having to cross many, many lanes of traffic. Um, In addition, they have a really unique model at their store. They're one of the pod stores, so they're made out of like shipping containers. So it's a really, really small footprint. Um, and when you receive your large order, uh, that takes up way too much space in their store in order for them to get that transitioned into actually like on the floor stock. And so they end up in a situation where they don't, uh, have access to a bathroom or can't close the door to their bathroom. They don't have access to an exit. So it's a, a fire safety issue. Um, and, and those are the two, two big safety things that are, that are, the ones that I'm aware of, for sure. Joshua, two issues when it comes to pay. Uh, I understand that seniority pay is an issue, and also this idea that Starbucks doesn't have a credit card tipping option when customers pay for their lattes. Is that right? And I'm surprised to hear that. I have the privilege of working with a partner who's been with the company for going on 30 years. Um, And, you know, 
people who managed to stick around Starbucks that long definitely are the people that I would say live Starbucks' values. Right. They're, you know, incredible humans and they deserve to have some sort of benefit for, for the value that they've provided the company for so many years. You know, every time Starbucks does these raises, most of the time it ends up in a situation where a brand new barista is making 25, 50 cents less than a partner who's been with the company five, 10, 50 wow. years. What about the credit card yeah. tipping option, Josh? Credit card tips have been something, I've been with the company going on four years now. It's been something that has been, quote, in the works that entire time. Um, customers are not allowed to leave a tip on the credit card. I get anywhere from three to five people a day uh, either apologizing or asking uh, if they can leave a tip on the credit card. Um, I don't really fully understand how or why that's not a thing. I mean, every other coffee shop I managed to go to can run a credit card tip, uh, no problem. We already have digital tip out through the Starbucks application. So when someone pays through the app, it prompts them to leave a tip on there and they can upload their credit card onto the app. So I'm not really sure where the disconnect is at corporate. Um, I mean, and that right there in and of itself kind of circles back to what we're talking about here is transition making and partners actually having a voice in that. If I don't right. have a clear reason as to why we can't have that, um, all, I, all I can do is keep beating the drum of like, this is something that I need. This is something that I'll pay rent. This is something that my customers are asking for. Um, so what do we need to do to kind of make that happen? That was KCUR's Steve Kraske talking to Starbucks employees Josh Crowell and Emma Baldridge. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and Trevor Grandin and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news stories from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org, where you can also find our live stream. On Monday, we'll celebrate our 100th episode and get an update on what's going on in the Missouri and Kansas legislatures. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. 